lies in the Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Top of the Food Chain. And now your host, he's one part mohawk, two parts attitude, and a touch of what the f***, it's Al Mancini. Never get tired of that. Really, never get tired of that. Thank you. Welcome to Top of the Food Chain on the Vegas Video Network. I'm your host, Al Mancini, the only food writer I know that's ever consumed Mad Dog 2020 and Dom Perignon in the same day. And it was fun. <laughs> it was a good day. Anyway, welcome to Top of the Food Chain. Hopefully you are watching us live on the Vegas Video Network, home of so many great, great programs here. Um, you can find them all at VegasVideoNetwork.com. You can find them on Twitter, no, you can't find them on Twitter. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them on Roku. You can find them on, where else we got them? iTunes. Um, they're all over the place. Just run a search, Vegas Video Network, or more importantly, go to VegasVideoNetwork.com. Or tune into your radio every Friday night if you're here in Las Vegas, AM 1410. That is KSHP. And it is just a marathon. If, if we keep it expanding, Scott, they're going to have to give us Friday and Saturday, the way this network is going. But you can just. Agreed. Drive around in your car listening to AM radio and checking, hearing all of us, and you don't get to see the good food and things like that, but still a good way to get your fix. If you are listening, we'll start with you folks, and you've got a question for a future episode, dial it up toll-free and record it at 866-966-4599. More importantly, if you are watching and you want to get in the live chat, if you're watching live, of course, you want to get in the live chat, we've got a chat room going on. You just log in. You Ask your question, Scott decides whether it's stupid or not, and if he likes it, he passes it on to me. And if you've got a question for a future episode, you can email it to us. It's food at VegasVideoNetwork.com. We've got cognac and armagnac going on today. I know, it's the second snooty week in a row. Last week we did truffles and we did lobsters, now we're doing cognac and armagnac. Guys, I'm just preparing you for a better life if you've never had these things. So um, trust me, you'll start saving up just for one shot of these babies once you learn about them. Anyway, if you've got questions, get in the chat room now. First, before we get to my guest, we will go, as always, to my good friend Scott. How are you, my friend? Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. How have you been, Scott? You've had a good week here. We have a good week. Just wrapped up some full dress rehearsals for a big show we're launching next week. And uh, just learned that our live show right now is available on Roku as well. So it used to be just video on demand. Now you can watch us live on Roku. It, it just gets better every day. It does get better. You said you did dress rehearsals. Do they have costumes? Uh, full dress. Well, these, this show is a pretty complicated show. Um, so we needed a lot of practice to get this nailed down. So full dress meant we started on time. We did all the work. We did the post-production. We had people watching us in a private uh, live streaming area. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. But, it's going to be good. But no costumes. Uh, no costumes except for the tutus that Jacob and I wear. <laughs> okay. Because we like to dance. That makes me glad to hear it's not a big costume show. They didn't have to dress up for it. Well, they're nude, but that's a whole new... Well, it's pay-per-view, actually. <laughs> I was going to ask if, if you were going to have an undressed rehearsal. That would have been fun. Yes, we uh, four guys running around naked talking about... Well, I can't say what we're talking about, but it's <laughs> naked, and it's fun. Are you doing puppetry with... Things? Never mind. I don't want to talk about the puppets anymore. <laughs> okay. I, um, I was acquitted, just so you know. You had, you had a great um, anniversary show? Awesome party. Had a good time. Uh, one of our uh, chat people here, 
Jackie is still angry because uh, she didn't. We had a, a blackjack tournament, a high chip uh, count win, and Jackie lost by 40 chips, $40, and she still believes it was a conspiracy against her. Well, these but things happen. It wasn't. It's, she's, you know, she's not a host. Who won? Uh, Marie, who's never played blackjack in her life. <laughs> okay. Well, sorry I missed it. You know I came a week early, and I, I screwed yes. that one up. You also had a great week. I just always, just to plug some of, my, um, some of the other shows here, I've got to recommend to people, you know, Robin Leach was on Talk Tales this week, and it was absolutely phenomenal. I thought um, Chris did an incredible job. I've known Robin for a long time, and I've been fortunate enough to work with him. And Chris got stories out of him that I've never heard before, and just a really great job. I mean, one, one of the better shows I've seen. I mean, Chris is always great, but it was a great show, I thought. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Robin is always very nice when he's here. Cool. He's a good guy. In the meantime, Scott, um, before we get on with the show, I've got a little update from a good friend of the Vegas Video Network, ah. and that would be Mr. Vic Vegas. Yeah, Vic has always been so cool, and I, I was on the phone with him last Thursday trying to catch up for an article that I'm working on, and he told me a lot of the stuff that he has going on, and I wasn't able to talk to you about it last week because nothing was official. He's got huge things in the works, man, huge. We're going to be seeing a lot of him. But Vic is always loyal to Las Vegas, and the th cool thing he announced today... And I want to let, because I know he has a lot of fans that watch this show, I want to let you guys know he's going back and doing some pop-up appearances next week at the Rumor Resort. And there he is. The man's on fire, obviously. Uh, he's going to go to their, um, their restaurant, Addiction, which Vic actually opened you know, a few years ago, a year and a half ago. I can't even remember. He was the guy behind it when he opened it up. He's going back. He's doing pop-up appearances next week. Unbelievable deal, Scott. You have got to come out to this. You know Vic. First of all, you get to meet Vic. You'll get to see him again. 39 bucks for four courses, oh. which you, you just can't beat 39 bucks. I know he's doing a mushroom and potato soup. He's doing, um, he's doing scallops with um, saffron risotto and caviar. I mean, tenderloin. Uh, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Four courses, 39 bucks, and 10 extra bucks for, um, for a wine pairing. I mean, it's just unreal. Well, so, when is this? This is, I think it starts either next Monday or Tuesday. Starts Monday or Tuesday, runs through next Saturday. And there's two seatings a night, 6 and 8.30. Reservations only available via open table. If you want more information there, it's, I actually have all the details on my website. If you want to go to almancini.net, go to open table if you don't want to go there, and you can just um, get all the deal. I mean, Scott, four-course meal from a celebrity chef for 39 bucks. It's just unheard of. Pretty hard to beat. Hey, uh, one quick question. What does pop-up mean? A pop-up. Oh, Scott, you are not the tech, techie foodie these days. A pop-up something, I guess, when um, it's sort of, remember what flash mobs used to be? I do. Yeah, it's, it's a food-level flash mob where it just goes out via the Internet. Things like what we're doing today, they announce it maybe four days before it happens, three days before it happens, and you just see how much social media, how many people that are blogging about it, how many you know, great places like the Vegas Video Network, that we can get it out to the masses. It's not advertised, although in this case, I think it may be on the Rumor website, but generally, it's something that just is announced, and it happens, and we just see how quickly we can get the information out there. It's usually a chef operating in a place that he doesn't usually operate. Well, we wish him a lot of success there. Yeah, it should be great. I mean, you know, Vic, again, great guy, great friend of this network. He loves, he loves what you're doing here, Scott. And, um, you know, it's just he's a, he's a Las Vegas guy, so I think we should support him, man. Yeah, great. Sounds good. I think I'll go. Okay. I, I'll talk to Vic and make sure you get a good reservation. Outstanding. Thanks, in, brother. In the meantime, we're going to be back talking cognac and Armagnac in just a second. But first, this message. This is David Ivey for Pub Crawl. It's funny because this is David from... You should, you should, no, you should just leave it on. Hi, I'm David Ivey from Pub Crawl, and you're watching the Vegas Video Network. 
and seen. And we're back on the Vegas Video Network with Top of the Food Chain. I'm your host, Al Mancini. I'm here with Patrick Trundle, the beverage manager at both Andre's and Alizé. Actually, right. both of Andre Rochat's um, restaurants here in Las Vegas. Right. Andre Rochat, your boss, the pioneer of fine dining in Las Vegas, really. Yeah, since, um, since 79, 80, he opened Andre's downtown. Um, had that restaurant go until just a couple years ago. Has Alize since 2001. Has had Andres in Monte Carlo since the Monte Carlo opened in 97. Um, opened a fine dining French restaurant when everything else was buffets in town. Yeah, I mean, that was the restaurant, the downtown Andres. I mean, seriously, there was just not a French chef that would think of coming to Las Vegas at that point. And, and here was this guy that opened downtown, the casinos. I don't know whether they didn't want to touch him or he didn't want to touch them or it was a little of both. But, I mean, just really pioneered it. And then Andres in the Monte Carlo, I'll tell you, my first trip to Las Vegas was one of those, you know, first trips to Las Vegas where you should have made the movie The Hangover right, kind of right. deal. And my wife and I had, you know, gone probably... 48, 72 hours straight of partying when we had our reservation at Andre's. And we had wanted to go there because it, at the time, was voted, I think, the most romantic restaurant in town. Right. And we wanted to go to this great romantic dinner. And we showed up, and we were just a mess. We just were like, oh, my god, it was horrible. Um, the food was incredible. We had a wonderful time, but we were seriously. Remember. Yeah, we were so, well, no, because we weren't wasted at the time. We were just recovering from, right. like, that first three-day binge, you right. know? And um, it was, we were just kind of slouching back in the booth, you know? but. The meal was great, and I've been back many, many times since, and I love the restaurant. I've also been to Alizé, um, great restaurant. So, you know, fantastic fine dining. What I have you here for, though, is you, Andre, I guess, is one of the better collectors of cognac and Armagnac here in town, right? Absolutely. One of the, one of, if not the largest collections of cognac and Armagnac in the city. And a lot of these are from his personal collection, but then he makes them available to his guests. Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's his is everybody's. A large portion of it came from a, a seller that he bought in Paris about 10 years ago, um, a private collection. Um, and that was the, the large, maybe I heard the largest wine retailer in Paris or something like that, whose right, seller he purchased? Right, Jean-Baptiste Bess. Um, and huge amount of stock product that doesn't exist anymore. Wow. The, the things, some of the things on this table are not available. Well, thank you for trusting us with them. <laughs> uh, I want to get started because I know a lot of people out there, you, you're saying, what is cognac? What is Armagnac? You've, most people have probably heard of the word cognac. Right. Very few people, I, I remember I was dining in New York maybe 15, 20 years ago when I went to a tiny little French bistro place that had an Armagnac collection. I was like, Armagnac? I, you know, I had no idea. So can we simplify it first for people? And we'll talk about what it is, sure. where it comes from. These are, at their base, they're brandies, correct? Right. Ultimately, they're all brandies, um, which means that it's a spirit made out of grapes. Um, the difference between... Oh, if, if I may cut you off, and sure. I apologize. Brandy is distilled wine, right? You start with wine, and right. then you distill it into brandy. You start with grapes, you smash them, you turn it into juice, you ferment it, and you turn it into wine. So it's a low alcohol, 13 to 15%. You take that liquid, and then you distill it. So you cook it, in the case of cognac, twice. Um, you heat the liquid to a temperature where the al alcohol evaporates, but the water doesn't evaporate. The alcohol vapor collects on the other side, and then you have something that's closer to like 40, 50, 60% alcohol. Um, so any distilled wine is a brandy? Are we right there, or am I splitting hairs? No, yeah. Any, any brandy is a distillate made from grapes. Okay. From, 
Great point, right. Okay, so that being said, now cognac and armagnac, these are designations kind of of origin, correct? The, the Europeans right. are very particular about, you can only call it this if it comes from a certain area, right? right. Exactly. Cognac from the Cognac region, Armagnac from the Armagnac region. Cognac is just north of Bordeaux on the southwest coast of France, and Armagnac is more south-central, um, about halfway in between the east and west coast. You know, when I tried to explain this designation of origin thing to my parents one time, my mom kind of you know, was looking at me, and I was like, well, where does champagne come from? And she's like, I, I can come from anywhere. And I said, no, champagne has to come from the Champagne Valley. Right. And cognac has to come from the cognac region. Armagnac has to come from the Armagnac region. See, guys, it's not that hard. Right. <laughs> it's right. really pretty simple. Well, they try to trick you with things like Chablis and Burgundy you find on a grocery store shelf here. And right. It's not exactly They the don't same come thing. from those places. Right. Well, that's because Americans don't care about those designations. Right. right. But it's legal in Europe. I mean, not just for spirits, even for peppers and things like that. You cannot put a label on something. Right. You go to jail if you call something cognac that didn't come from the cognac right. region. Exactly. It's fiercely, fiercely protected. Um, subtle differences between cognacs and armagnacs. Other than the region, they also have different processes of distillation. Cognac is distilled twice. Armagnac is distilled only once. The resulting spirit, armagnac, has a lot more aroma and a lot more fire to it because less of the impurities have been cooked off. Cognac has more finesse and more elegance because of the second distillation. Okay. The um, best time to, and best way to drink these brandies, these cognacs and armagnacs, most of us think of them as after-dinner drinks with a cigar or something right. like that. Right. Is that the way you recommend them? That's typically the way that they're, the way that they're um, enjoyed. Cognac has become used in cocktails more often. Um, it's being used in mixed drinks. The, the lower, less expensive cognacs are found to have similar flavor profiles to whiskeys and, and easy to mix like that. So, Rappers like them. Rappers love them. <laughs> what it's is true. that about? How'd that happen? I have no idea, to be honest. It's Cavassier is a cognac, right? Took off, exactly. So is Hennessy. Right. And, but if, for every time you hear Cavassier in a platinum rap song, right. I mean, you know, it's right. unbelievable. <laughs> So um, you, you generally would, though, for the fine ones, you drink them after dinner. Would, would you have them as a before-dinner drink ever? Um, you can, typically because you have lighter, uh, lighter spirits before and heavier after, just because that's how it progresses. The, the, as, as you consume things and it builds up on your palate, your palate becomes desensitized, so you save the heaviest, strongest things for the end of the meal. Light things, aperitifs like Campari and, and Lillet and Champagne, it's always preceding. Heavy things like Sambuca and Grand Marnier and Cognac is always following because gonna, you're going to taste it after that 14-course dinner you just had. Right. Okay. Um, so when you're let's start with Cognacs. Okay. Basics on Cognac. What should you be looking for in a Cognac? I mean, because these can go price range from... Five or six dollars for an after-dinner drink to five thousand dollars for an after-dinner right. drink, right? Right. Um, you look for the the people who make it, the ground that it comes from, and the age. Um, so there are large producers like Hennessy that we have that make millions and millions and millions of cases of cognac. There we go. There we go. And you've we've all seen this in the store we've somewhere. We've all seen that somewhere. <laughs> right. And what, I mean, a bottle of this or a, a glass of this after dinner, what would it cost? A, a glass is $12, something like that. Okay. 
Um, this is not where you would want to start. Okay, you right? don't want to start with the inexpensive stuff. Right, just because... Then I will not. I try to, <laughs> try to stay away from the heavily produced items because when you have more quantity, you're going to lose quality. Um, smaller producers um, at young ages, VS and VSOP and XO, um, have great prices. So to talk about the ages... Yeah, please yeah. explain that. Um, you'll see on labels VS, which is very special. You'll see VSOP, which is very special old pale. You'll see XO, which is extra old. You see Napoleon sometimes, um, and a few other designations. That they're just minimum legal age. So to be cognac, it has to be at least three years aged in wood. And that's a VSOP? And that's VS. VS. VS, sometimes three it's three stars. Like this one has three stars on it. Okay. Um, minimum three years. VSOP is a minimum five years. XO is um, a minimum eight, but most use more than the minimum. Mm -hmm. um, a lot like sake where there's a minimum that has to be milled off, but the good people do more than that, right? Right, exactly, exactly. They, they, the minimum is a legal requirement, but most people stick them in the barrels a little bit longer. At what age does it become what someone like yourself, a connoisseur, considers quality. Which is the, where's the cut and cutoff designation for this is something, obviously you'd serve people anything they like, I mean, right. again, and everything within a price range, but if you're telling someone to really enjoy and we're saving up for a meal and we're gonna set some money aside, right. what level would you recommend them starting with? Well, you know, it, it really depends more on the producer. Um, I've had excellent VS and VSOP cognacs and I've had terrible XO and very old cognacs. So a few of the ones that we have on the table, there's a three star and a VSOP that are relatively young age, um, but spectacular. They're really small production. Um, a lot of care was taken into how they were made. Okay. Well, we should drink some cognac. All right. And we want to talk about the glassware too. So yes. if, let's pick one that isn't too pricey that I'll have to give you my car okay. in order to pay for it to okay. leave, because uh, I still need to get somewhere tonight. And um, show me what kind of glass we should be using. Okay. So we have, uh, here, start with. This, this is the three star you were just showing. So this us. is the three star, which is the same as a VS, um, which means it spent at least three years in oak. Which is the minimum to be called cognac. Which is the minimum. And these glasses, if we can get a, um, a shot of them, because I had said this actually almost reminds me of a grappa glass, but then you told me I was silly because it right. doesn't look like. Well, a it, all, it looks like a it looks like a port glass too. Okay. Um, this is actually the Riedel Hennessy glass. This is the proper glass for tasting cognac. We also have snifters, which is the classic, which is what you always see, right? This is because this is fun. This is you what hold this up and then you swirl it around yeah, and you can put your nose all the way into it. Dip your cigar in it or whatever. Well, I was going to talk to you about the cigars in right. a second, right. but but no, there's something beautiful about a snifter because you get such a beautiful aroma off of these that you know I can't. St I get a big nose if I try to stick it in this little glass. You know I'm not smelling anything, but here I just feel like. But the difference is from these you get more of the alcohol and less of the aroma that you want. Really? That's, the, that's why these glasses are not the best for tasting and, and appreciating the spirit. This, you get a, a big blast of the alcohol that's evaporating off of it. This has focused the aroma okay. and the alcohol is, and, and it points the spirit 
so it hits the tip of your tongue. Okay, I can see what you drink you, it, I, right? I could definitely see what you're saying there. Well, let, let so me start with the one, right. less concentrated one. And yeah, it's you know, but for me, this has always smelled wonderful. You right. know, this has always been. I pick up so much, and then you know, have a little sip. Right. That's warm. warm. <laughs> yes. It's warm. Well, it's you know, they're all forty percent. They're right. all they're all serious business. But it's got more of a burn than say a bourbon to me. But I, I, it's sort of what right. I like about cognacs. And again, right. they're good after dinner because I think they do cut through that right. way. Right, absolutely. And then if I try it out of this one. Right, so the smell out of this one is not nearly as alcoholic. It doesn't like no, I'm trying to burn all your nose hairs. No, there's, I, I don't want to say fruitiness, but there's something um, in there. Yeah, like banana, like banana Laffy Taffy. Okay, yeah, there's definitely. There's some weird smells in cognac. Oh, yum. Right? Absolutely. So it's it's soft, it doesn't I mean there's spice, there's little there's little uh like pinpricks on your tongue from the alcohol, but it's not I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't make you choke. Right. And it has you can still taste it, there's still a nice finish and that aftertaste of like vanilla and bananas like and caramel, like bananas foster or something like that, yeah? Before we taste a few more and talk about what you're supposed to be finding in these um, you said dip your cigar in them. Okay, is that, that's just something to me from a black and white movie that made right. you the coolest guy in the room if you were dipping your cigar in some cognac. Right. Okay, is that, I don't smoke that many cigars, but you've got a great cigar bar at Andre's, so yeah. I'm sure you see people trying to do this all the time. Is that a good thing, or is that just stupid? Well, I think it would make your cognac taste bad. Okay. Right? I think right. you would just ruin your glass of cognac. It might make your t cigar taste better, but you just ruin your glass and of so cognac. And so if you have a $400 glass of cognac, right. that's a terrible really idea. stupid thing to do with it. Terrible idea. Yeah. As, you know, maybe if it's a Philly's Blunt and some Hennessy right. or Covassier, right. and you're in a hip-hop video, that might work. Or some Grand Marnier, something like that. I do enjoy a decent cigar and some Grand Marnier. Right. You know, the, the cheapest Grand Marnier, not the 100-year <laughs> Grand Marnier or something like that. But it gives it a nice little orange flavor exactly. to the cigar. Exactly. Yeah. But maybe that's also for people that don't like cigars that much. Maybe. Um, yeah, don't, don't dip it in the expensive stuff. Okay, so what else have you brought here that we're allowed to taste without me going bankrupt? Okay, so let's put that one in there. It's okay to recycle. Yes. We'll drink the whole yeah, batch right. of it. It'll, it'll be the world's best leftovers glass. You know, when you're in high so, school and you used to just pour everything into one glass? Actually, this so would be the best in the Oh, we have another glass. Now we'll do a little side by side here. Well, so we're going to do an old one in this glass that we just poured. Okay. Okay. And if we can just show, tell them what we're pouring right now. All right. So this Especially is, the people on audio, because <laughs> the, the picture's not so that So this good. is from the house of uh, Bisky. It's a VSOP, so a little bit older than the last one they had. Now. The cool thing about these two bottles is these came out of that cellar of Jean-Baptiste Bess in Paris. Young cognacs, but bottled, this one probably bottled in the 30s, and this one probably bottled in the 40s or 50s. Okay, that's very important to, to explain to people, because right. I just heard a what in the audience, and cognac's age is judged by when it's bottles. It does not continue to age in the bottle, correct? No. Or no? No. That's, that's the popular thinking, absolutely. But, okay, well, I love being popular, right? so there we go. <laughs> so um, since we have access to all these extremely old cognacs, we're, we're able to, to have side-by-sides and taste them. 
Um, but just uh, to clarify, and I apologize for cutting you off, you say something is three years old, but it was bottled in the 40s. Right. So you judge the age by the time from the cast to the bottle, or that it's put in the cast to when it's put in the bottle, or something like that? That's what, the, that's what this means. That's what the VS okay. means. That's what the three star means. Right, okay. That's how so, they designate the age. But that's, that's important because I think people were probably thinking originally that when we said three years, that the three year old was from, you know, 2008. Right. So just to clarify, the age is the amount of time it sat in the cask before it was put into the bottle. Right. Okay. But Sorry for the confusion. No, but you have to talk slowly with me, especially <laughs> when there's alcohol on the table. So the, the bottles that have aged for 40 or 50 years, popular thinking is that the cognac has stopped aging because it's a spirit, because it's 40%, it's really sturdy, uh, it shouldn't be affected by it. But on the right-hand side, you have Hennessy VS that's, you know, a 2010 model. Okay. And on the left-hand side, you have the Bisky that's easily been in a bottle for about 40 years. Okay. So the difference between the two you're going to smell, this one is going to have, the Hennessy is going to have a lot more heat. It's going to be, have kind of synthetic flavors. It's going to have... It's just going to be. We're awkward. not getting a Hennessy endorsement, Scott. It's, it's just in case just you're worried about that. It's okay. We have Kawasaki on the table. Okay, they have a lot more money. They, then they have more money to spend, probably. There you go. Okay, so this is the Hennessy that we normally so drink. So the Hennessy is on. Yeah. Okay, I can see. As, even after what we just had, I can right. feel the synthetic kind of. It's hot. It's not really well balanced. Um, it doesn't have. Like on that first one, the really mellow finesse and caramels, right. and so now. Now we move over to the biscuit, the VSOP. Oh, this just smells. I really wish there was a way to relate this on TV. This just has such a sweet smell to it, and I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm coming directly off the Hennessy, and by comparison, but there's just right. a beautiful sweet. And you should try these side by side. I always recommend to people doing flights or something like right. that. I mean, the, the only way to really, unless you have gone to school like this gentleman has, the only way for average smucks like me and many of you probably to to get these flavors that you think I'm just making up is to do things side by side. Right. And then your, your palate really adjusts. Right. Well, and that's why we offer tasting flights at both of the restaurants. We have about five, ten different tasting flights, half-ounce portions, you know, about this big. You're not going to get smashed. Um, at $35 to $275 as an introduction. So you can sit down and taste these things next to each other and say, this isn't a what I thought it was at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've often said this about tequila as an example. I could never taste what a Blanco, Reposado, and an Inejo were supposed to taste like until I did the exact same tequila in each of those three age periods. And then suddenly I could pick up the subtleties, but right. I had to do them next to each other first. Right. And now I can taste them, you know, on their own. But until you do, do them next to each other, it's very difficult. Right. Scott, we have a question. Yes, sir. Nate wants to know what time during dinner should one drink cognac? Anytime you'd like to drink it, we'd be happy to serve it. Um, <laughs> but we did get into this a little earlier. Usually you, you'd enjoy it afterwards. And, and it brings up cognac with food or spirits of food. I've seen people trying to go in the direction of pairing spirits with food, which usually is a terrible idea. Um, because that the high alcohol content, I can't imagine you know drinking 40% alcohol with my 
lobster thermidor, whatever it might be. I've been to some wonderful tequila pairings and some decent whiskey pairings over the years. They're, they're, they're hard. I think it, a lot has to do with the chef and the ability of the chef who's putting it together. Right. Well, you know, it's just it's, spirits are so overpowering, they're going to damage a lot of what's going on in the food. If you're going to pair, especially cognac with, with food, really it, the kind of things you get at the end of the meal are the best. So cheeses and chocolates and nuts and strong, heavy things, strong, sweet, salty, heavy things. Okay, now, so we've discussed cognac. Now, I want to talk about, actually, I want to get into price. And what, what do you have up front there? Because that's a beautiful bottle. That's a cognac, correct? Yeah, that's Hardy Perfection. Okay. Um, that is one of uh, a total of 4,800 bottles made from um, one selection. They made 300 of these decanter. There's a series of five decanters now. This is air, there's a water, there's an earth. There's a fire, there's a light. And you have them all on display, actually, at all. We have them all display both properties. Okay. Um, we have this as a part of a tasting flight, the Hardy Perfection. It's the oldest unblended cognac uh, known. So it's from a stock of cognacs that were never added to. But one of the parts of cognac aging, when it's in the barrel, a certain amount evaporates every year. About 3% evaporates every year. It's called the angel's share. That's what the angels drink every year, right? And so they're whiskey is the same term, right? And whiskey is correct. So they're allowed to add three uh, percent of a new or a young cognac to that to top off the barrels. Well, this was never added to. So you imagine just like reducing a stock, it mm -hmm. concentrates the flavor. So perfection is like drinking liquid extra uh, vanilla extract. And if I were to whip out Scott's platinum card or black card right now, how much would a shot of that cost me? Six hundred and seventy-five dollars. Scott. Is the, is the black card ready? <laughs> we'll swipe it. We'll give it a shot. And a bottle of that, if someone were lucky, would, would I be able to buy that? I can't walk into Lee's and get that. You right. can't walk into Lee's and get it. I've seen them available online. And again, you know, 300 of each of those. Mm -hmm. The one set was 450. So they're really small quantities. I've seen them online. 6,000, 7,000, 8,000. For the bottle, and then the if bottle. you want the complete set, probably more than the per bottle. I, I don't think right? we could find a complete set. And I, if I remember something you told me a while ago, you have two, right? Or Andre has two? We have one full set of perfection. We have actually two sets of, an, of another set of cognacs, the Covazia Erte collection. And this has never been opened? That's never been opened. No one has splurged to shell out for that yet. Right. Well, <laughs> right. We have pouring bottles. Okay. We have two bottles of that open that we pour out of. Because people drink it. You know, we sell it for six seventy-five a shot. We sell tastings of it for 200 and change, two and a quarter, something like that. So let's move on to Armagnac. Okay. And now the difference, of course, is it doesn't come from the Cognac region. It comes from the Armagnac region. Right. Again, people, this ain't rocket science. <laughs> so what is the, you talk about the fact that it's only distilled once rather mm -hmm. than twice. What's that do with the taste? It adds more fire to it. More fire. There's a lot of fire in what we've been drinking already. Right. So, so I want to prepare more. myself for, do we have a sipping? I, I didn't Armagnac? bring an Armagnac. No, I okay. didn't bring an Armagnac. That's OK. So there's more fire involved in it. Um, and do we, we have one that we can at least show? No? No, I didn't, have, bring, okay, I, I didn't bring any Exclusively Armagnacs. cognacs today. OK, no problem. I wanted to limit your education today. OK, not a problem. But <laughs> I, I do want to prepare people. When you see Armagnacs, what should you be looking for? Do they use the same VS, VSOP designations? They use a lot of the same designations. You'll see a lot more vintage Armagnacs than you see in cognacs. 
um, which is one of, the, one of the things that they're known for. So you can find cool old vintages. Cognacs are, are always blends. These are all blends. Um, you'll find few vintage cognacs. Those okay. are hard to come across. Um, so this is, um, compared to the champagne world with my limited knowledge, cognacs are more like a Krug where there's, they're just constantly blending right. them and not putting out a specific vintage, right. specific year. Right, which is harder because they have to make this taste the same every single time, right? Mm. For, right. for decades and decades and decades of however many different kinds of brands they have in their cellar, they have to make it taste exactly the same every time. Right. And with an Armagnac, it would be more vintage. With an Armagnac, they have a lot of vintages. They, they also do the VS, and they also do the XOs, and the and very olds, and things like that. Um, Armagnac, really, it's best to ask whoever is serving them to you. Okay. A couple more quick questions I wanted to get to. Um, the Louis. Cognacs, you know, Louis the Thirteenth, mm -hmm. Louis the Fourteenth, Louis. These are the things that are going to cost you, I mean, crazy money, right? And explain what they are and the designations, because everyone's always heard about Louis the Thirteenth or Louis the right. Fourteenth, whatever. Well, it's, it's Louis. Louis Thirteen is made by Remy Martin, um, and the, it's the that famous Baccarat bottle that has all the little crystal spires on the outside. Um, it's a blend of twenty-five hundred different brandies, some as old as the beginning of the, 19, uh, the 18th, I'm sorry, 19th century. Um, it's relatively small production, but it's one of those one of those items that was a specialty item and then became popular and had great publicity and now in a lot of people's opinion is more expensive than it's worth. And what would that cost you? Um, we have it for $350 a shot. Okay. And that is something that's still being produced, though, right? Or that's yeah, not yeah, some old thing? I mean, they still make that every they, year. They still make it. Are there other, is there a, other Louis out there, or did they I make, just get they them make, confused? Yeah, they make special editions. Like, there's the Black Pearl. They have different style of bottles. But it's all Louis XIII. Okay. It's all the same. And then one last thing, because I think it's a pretty cool story. Um, there's, I guess, the year, the, the freedom year, or the, the year that the men returned from World War II is supposed to yeah. be a great year in cognac, right? Right. The 1914 was... Um, World War I, then, if it was 1914. Right. 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 Okay, sorry. 1914, the year of the lady. So all the men in France went off to fight the war. And that year, the women were left behind to take care of the vintage, or take care of the vineyards. So it's called the year of the lady, and supposedly a more delicate and feminine vintage. Great. So anyway, I hope that gave you some basics out there on how to enjoy cognacs and armagnacs, how not to be afraid of them. Again, they're all brandies. They just come from a fancy region, and it's easy to know where they come from because it's in their name. Right. Um, man, Patrick, this is great. We're going to, Scott, do we have any email questions we need to get to today? Yes, we do. We've got two quick ones for okay. you. You want to stick around and try to help me out a little sure. with email questions? Sure. What do we got, Scott? Sure. First one's from Jerry. Jerry wants to know, what, in your opinion, is the most overrated restaurant in Las Vegas? I've got a feeling Patrick's not going to help me out on that one. <laughs> it's all you. But, um, oh, man, overrated. Uh, there are a few. I mean, I think most of this town's restaurants are great. I, I will tell you a personal story. I will not go back to Elaine Ducasse's restaurant, Mix. Um, I went there once. I had an absolutely horrible time. It was ridiculously expensive. They treated me horribly. I never saw my waiter 
from the time he took my order till the time that he brought the check. He didn't notice that I left bad shrimp uneaten because yeah. it wasn't any good. Um, I had a lousy, lousy time. People keep trying to get me back, but honestly, when you pay that kind of money, and I've been told by a lot of people that, um, you know, Alain Ducasse restaurants, to get his quality, there's just too many covers happening in that restaurant. They're, they're turning over too many meals to get that Michelin star quality that, that people expect from them. And, you know, I wish them the best, but you ain't going to get my, you know, and I won't even go back there for free and try to, you know, reinterpret it because at the end of the day, yeah, okay, if they know I'm in the house and they know I had a lousy time, it doesn't, I don't feel like I'm getting the same treatment. And I, I won't go back and spend my own money because I like my money and I don't like to spend that amount of it on a, on a lousy meal. So that's my personal opinion. Um, some of my food critic friends love the place, uh, but if you want my opinion, very overrated. Incredible view, however. Absolutely incredible view. Go to the lounge. They have great lounge menu there. Um, and I would sit in the lounge, get their casual food. It's very good because you're not expecting the crazy Michelin star treatment in the lounge. And I highly recommend going to the lounge and having inexpensive food and enjoying the view. But for the main restaurant, it's beautiful, well-designed. But just think that they're trying to serve way too many people. Sorry, Elaine. He's a nice guy, too. I really hey, do like him. Uh, actually, a uh, comment from the chat. Jackie wants to know if you have an opinion about uh, Michael Mina at Bellagio. Uh, Michael Mina at Bellagio, absolutely. Right now, I think that restaurant has been so reinvented in the past 12 months. I think it's absolutely fantastic. They brought Ben Jenkins in over from Strip Steak, who you wouldn't think a guy coming from a steakhouse going into a flagship restaurant, but Ben's got chops. He's done incredible things. David Varley, their corporate executive chef, has been really... Uh, working hard to kind of reinvent Michael Mina. You're not going to see a lot of the trios that you used to see, which were getting a little old in the old days. Um, that restaurant has made a huge jump in the past year, two years, in my opinion, um, to being honestly one of the best restaurants in Las Vegas. Uh, I think you're going to see some surprises when the new edition of my book comes out in where we've placed some restaurants. And Bellagio has done an incredible job in particular, Michael Mina and Le Cirque have both, both of which were good restaurants, but have gone to a level of greatness that I think is, is pretty amazing over the past year. Okay, and our final- Any opinion, uh, wait, any opinion on Michael Mina? I, I agree, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, it's, they're getting better and better. Actually, yeah. I remember why she asked that. Actually, she and Melissa and myself and one of her friends, Jeannie, we didn't have a great time there. It wasn't, the service, I think, was a little, little lacking, and uh, uh, the food wasn't top-notch for what we thought it would be. How recent was this? Oh, this was some time ago. It was probably a, over a year ago. Yeah, I think that you know the, the restaurant had hit some bumps, but I think it's really it's got a new life to it. I'm, I'm really excited about what they're doing. Okay, and our last question here from the email uh, from Marie. I'm, I'm a recent uh, convert into vegetarianism. Can you recommend a good restaurant for that type of food? You know, the one piece of advice I try to give people, and Franck Savoie, when he was here, said the same thing. Any great restaurant will accommodate vegetarians. If you give them 24, 48 would be great, but 24 hours of notice, call ahead. I'm a vegetarian. I really want, I want to do it in this price range. I want to do a tasting. Anyone will do that. But that being said, if you don't want the, you know, the hassle of going through calling ahead, you just want to know where you can stop, Spago does very well on the spot with vegetarian food. And then off the strip, um, there's a place called Red Velvet Cafe which I really like, which I think is on West Sahara. And then there's a new place, um, Vita P. 
Pura, Pura Vida, Pura Vida. Pura Vita Cafe actually did an interview in last week's City Life, the dining issue, with their chef. Um, she's a little intense about her veganism and vegetarianism, but she makes good food. Nice. How, about, how about you, man? If I can plug myself, sure. Uh, Alize has a vegetarian tasting menu. Uh, we started getting those requests 24, 48 in advance, somebody wanting vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, uh, these specific menus, and we'd always done a tasting menu, and, and the chef, Mark Purdy, the ex uh, chef de cuisine at Alize, has fun with it. Like he likes the challenges of, okay, I'm gonna make a new dish. So we went full on and, and do a seven course tasting menu that's interchangeable with the chef's tasting menu. And we're finding out that people will be ordering the seven course chef's tasting menu, but picking a few things off of the vegetarian menu because they look so good. So it's, it's nice to be able to offer that. And it's, it's also coincidentally easily made vegan, easily made gluten-free. Yeah, I mean, chefs have really begun to adjust to the fact that, you know, people have dietary restrictions, whether they're self-imposed or medical or whatever they may be. And, right. and really, people, though, again, that's wonderful that you can get, walk into Alizé without having called ahead. That's phenomenal. Uh, Hubert Keller used to do that at Fleur-de-Lis. Um, you know, the French Laundry has always done right. that, has long done that. So I'm, I'm glad to see that, uh, that Andre is doing that as well. But... My main piece of advice is if you're going to a fine dining restaurant, wherever you're going, don't limit yourself. Call ahead. I don't know of any chef who wouldn't accommodate you. Right. Right. Well, look, I want to thank you very much for coming, it's Patrick. It's been, it's been wonderful, and I've gotten to sample some, some nice spirits, which is great. Not, not the nicest, but good. That's okay, man. I, Scott didn't have the black card to pull out, so that's cool. Um, guys, uh, track everything I'm doing at almancini.net. There's a ton of cool things going on. Project Dinner Table is this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun if you guys want to get out there. We've spoken about them in the past. And um, I'm also going to be on the David Mahoney Show, I think, next Wednesday on Extreme Radio. So tune in. I have no idea what time. Tune in and listen. If I know what time, I'll post it on the website. In the meantime, I will be back next week. Introduction to Asian foods with my friend and sometimes nemesis, Max J Jacobson. But the man knows more about Asian cuisine than anybody who wasn't born in Asia and probably more than most people who were born in Asia. You know Max, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's going to be a hell of a show next week. Tune in. Thanks a lot for watching.